We're thinking about stories tonight. Stories. I wonder what the most embarrassing story is you've ever heard. What's the most embarrassing story you have ever heard? Is it the true story of Alf Spence? a 91-year-old short-sighted man from North Yorkshire who'd been wondering where his post had been going for the last number of years, only to discover that instead of posting it in what he thought was the red post box outside his house, he had been posting his letters into the red dog poo box outside his home. What's the most embarrassing story you've ever heard? Is it the true story of a pastor from Willowfield Parish Church who went out one Saturday and fell and dislocated his shoulder in an inflatable children's play park. The lengths I go to to get a sermon illustration. What's the most unbelievable story you've ever heard, or the most embarrassing story? Is it the story where Jesus organizes a Last Supper, a really important meal, but he forgets to book the hired help? In fact, Jesus, in this story that we're going to read, completely forgets about the main course. And we basically end up with a story about foot washing. Don't believe that story? Well, listen to John chapter 13. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that the hour had come to leave this world and to return to his Father. He had loved the disciples during ministry on earth, and now he loved them even until the end. It was supper time. So Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had around his waist. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that is what I am. And since I am the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet you ought to wash each other's feet too. We're in John chapter 13. At this point, we're in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life on earth. This is the night before he dies. And Jesus organizes this, what's called a Passover meal. The last meal that he will eat on earth. The last meal that he will share with his disciples. And I guess if you're going to have this last meal you're going to pick something quite fancy or quite extravagant or quite expensive for that last meal. Maybe you expect this last meal to be a packed room full of Jesus' closest friends and family. Maybe you expect Jesus to make some dramatic, motivational, inspiring, famous last speech. But did you notice in the verses we read, none of that happens. The setting is a small quiet, out-of-the-way upper room. There's only 13 dinner guests who show up for this party. This is a meal that Jesus had. It's called the Passover. So it's an important meal, but it's not exactly an expensive meal. It's an important meal because it points back to a particular time in history that's important to the people. It points back at this passage in chapter 13 of John. It points back 1,500 years ago to the book of Exodus. And there, God's people had been held as slaves. They were oppressed. But God had a plan. God had a plan to rescue them. God had a plan to save them. And he sends 10 plagues to judge the evil nation of Egypt who were holding his people prisoner. The very last plague was going to be the plague of death. 
And the only way to escape that was through a substitute or through a sacrifice or through the shed blood of a Passover lamb. And that is what this meal is all about. So for 1,500 years at this point, every single year, the Jewish people celebrated this meal to remind them that the only way to escape death was through this substitute of a lamb. So it's an important meal, as I say, but it's not exactly an expensive meal. But Jesus has organized his last night around this meal. It's a picture of the scene. A camera follows the disciples. They walk into this room after having walked up a small rickety flight of stairs. They walk into this small room. In the middle of the room would have been a table. Cushions around the floor because Jesus and his disciples would have sat on the floor. Now, what was normal in this meal is that someone would come along and wash feet. You usually had a servant who would do that. But if you notice in our picture, there's no lowly servant standing off to the side. And this is the embarrassing bit of the story. Jesus has forgot to order or book the hired help. It's really embarrassing. It's really awkward in this culture to have done that. Until, verse 4, it's actually Jesus who stands up Jesus, who assumes the position or the role of a servant, and it is Jesus who washes his disciples' feet. And I'm kind of thinking in this story, this is Jesus' last night on earth. Like, what is, what is going on in this story? Why would you choose to wash people's feet in the last part of this story? I'm not expecting a practical tutorial on how to wash someone's feet. And I don't know about you, but washing feet is kind of Gross, isn't it? It's gross. Here's Jesus washing his feet. It's weird to us to do that in our culture, but in biblical times, this is very normal because the terrain was dusty and it was dirty and it was sandy and people wore sandals, so their feet would be dirty and filthy and disgusting. So washing someone's feet is both hygienic and refreshing. So the picture is Jesus on his knees taking the disciples' dirty feet and washing them. If you were in your last 24 hours on earth, do you think you'd do that bit? Or would you skip that bit? If you were John writing a gospel starting in chapter 13, wouldn't you just skip the gross feet washing bit? Wouldn't you just skip and start with Jesus carving up the lamb just moments away from making his big, dramatic, inspirational, life-changing, famous last speech? That brings us to the next part of this embarrassing story. Because where's the lamb? Where's the lamb in the story? Like it's one thing to forget to hire some help or to book a servant. It's a completely new level of hospitality disaster if you haven't even ordered your main meal. Like that, that is not a good dinner party if you forget the main. Sometimes we forget little bits and pieces like the peas or the garlic bread or some dips. But to forget the complete meal, like it's just so embarrassing. Jesus' last meal. Jesus' last 24 hours on earth. And this is going to be remembered as just an embarrassing story. An embarrassing story. Unless, unless Jesus is deliberately doing some things in this story to drive home a powerful message. What about the washing? Jesus unties. You have to picture this. Jesus sitting with the disciples. He is untying the dirty, grimy, disgusting, 
straps of the disciples' sandals. He lifts off the sandals and sets those dirty sandals down. He takes that dirty foot and he washes those dirty feet of the disciples. The reason Jesus washes the disciples' feet is to display his humility, his servant heart. It's also to display his love for his disciples, even up to the end. But more powerfully and more importantly, this is a significant symbol that points to Jesus cleansing away or washing away sin. You see, unless Jesus washes, unless Jesus takes away the dirt or the filth, unless Jesus washes away or rinses away the contamination of sin, then no one, no one can have any intimate relationship with Jesus. And here is Jesus willing to embrace his disciples, willing to lift their feet and to embrace that. And Jesus tonight comes to you and me and he's not disgusted. He doesn't think we're gross. He never says that we're too messy or we're too dirty. He embraces our filth and he takes all that dirt and he makes everything new. What about the meal? What about this lamb? The so important symbol that pointed to this sacrificial lamb, this Passover lamb. What about it? Well, elsewhere in John, in fact, the very first chapter of John, in verse 29, we read this. Behold, talking of Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The reason Jesus didn't bring a lamb is because Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. It is his lifeblood. It is his life that is going to be laid down for people like you and me. And that is the reason that we sing tonight. That's the reason we worship tonight. That's the reason we love this story of Easter because one, it is our hope for salvation. Two, it is the reason we worship God. Jesus is the lamb. He is the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus is going to take our place. He's going to take all that is dirty and all that is filthy. He is going to take all that is sinful. He is going to take all that is contaminated and he is going to deal with that all on a cross. And that is love. That is love. I'm calling this story, not an embarrassing story, but the greatest love story that you will ever hear. I don't know anyone who knows Mark Brown inside out and would love him the same way that Jesus shows love towards me. The really ugly parts, the really dirty parts, the really contaminated parts, the really ew, disgusting, gross parts, but still Jesus reached out and touched that what was unlovable, unlikable, and undeserving. And tonight he reaches out again. He reaches out to you or to your loved one that you are thinking about over this Easter period. That loved one, that son, that daughter, that whoever is in your life, that neighbor, that person that is in your life that has no relationship. Jesus reaches out in love. And there is hope. There is hope because John 13, this last meal says, behold the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray. God, I thank you that there is hope. I thank you. I thank you that you save and that you rescue and that you pay, played the ultimate price so that we could be brought into your family. 
This is love. Thank you, God, for your love. So as we come to sing these last number of songs, God, may we raise the roof with worship and praise and may we not just be so familiar with this Easter story that it does not affect our hearts. Holy Spirit, come impact our hearts with the truth of this message. And if there are people in this room tonight who, ha- who have not accepted, I pray salvation. I pray, God, that you will be at work in their lives. Or if there are ones in this room tonight and they are so burdened for a loved one or a family member, I pray, God, that this message of Easter will just come to life this week. And help us to be bold. Help us to be bold, because this is the greatest story, the greatest news, and we should be shouting this from the rooftops, that when we were unlovable, unlikable, and undeserving, Jesus, in his great mercy and his great love, came to save, and we love you, and we thank you, we pray these things in your great holy name, and everyone said, Amen. amen, bless you.